John chapter 4, we've entitled the message, Conviction and Conversion. Let's let's unite our heart together as we come to the preaching of the word tonight. Father in heaven, we thank the Lord Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin. O Lord, we praise the Lord for thy wonderful plan of salvation. We thank the Lord that Christ came down to take upon himself that body that God had created, had formed for him. And Lord was to walk amongst men, the only Savior, that one day would lay down his life on Calvary's tree. We praise the Lord for the work that's finished tonight. Thank the Lord tonight for the once for all sacrifice for sin. And O oh God, the sinner tonight can know Christ saving and cleansing and converting them. And O oh God, with the assurance it is well with our soul. Bring us into this passage, Lord. O oh God, as it were, bring us to this very well at Sychar. And we pray, Lord, that thou might help us to enter into this conversation. And O oh Father, thou would teach us. Do our souls good. Bless our people tonight, Lord. Pray for those yet unsaved. Might be the night of thy salvation to their soul. To that end, fill us with the power of thy spirit. Give me words, Lord, from thyself. Words that must and shall prevail. Lord, we pray tonight, thy word would run and be glorified. There might be signs following it. O God, that it might live on in our heart. And it might speak on to the unconverted. And Lord, do thy work tonight by thy spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Savior, during what would have been the early part of his ministry, was to make his way into the area known as Galilee. But in doing so, he was to do something that the Jew would never do, and that was he was to go through Samaria. The reason behind it is to fully understand what is meant by the words that you read in verse 4. He must needs go through Samaria. And the place in particular which he was to come to was called Sychar. Sychar means purchased. And it's in that valley that there was situated Jacob's well. And it was at this well that we come across one who is the most unlikely character to be found in the company of the Savior. In fact, the disciples, once they come back, having gone to seek provision of meat, they're, they're astonished, they're amazed that the Lord was talking to this individual. She never indeed expected that to happen. Yet one before we leave this passage was to be the possession of Christ. For she was to be a slave, set free from the bondage of her sin. For what we find from these words is essentially the very essence of Christianity. Because the Lord speaks to her and the Lord says to her of a well springing up into everlasting life. And what he begins with in his message is conviction of sin. And dear people, throughout the Scriptures, it's often the case that whenever people are brought into the presence of the Lord, they're convicted of sin. You think of Jacob tonight. And Jacob was just a religious individual. That is, until the night that God met with him at the place called Bethel. And the next morning we read that he awaked out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. 
and he was afraid. He was convicted of sin. You think of Isaiah in that great vision where he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. And you know, the same could be brought over and noticed in the New Testament as well. You think of Peter in the boat in Luke chapter 5. And there is the occasion where the Lord bid him to cast the nets into the sea to find a draft. And he hesitated and he remonstrated because they had toiled all night and they had caught nothing. And yet at the Lord's word, he cast in the net and the net burst because of the multitude of fish. And he fell down before the Lord and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Conviction, men and women. Conviction is what leads to a hatred of sin. And conviction leads to repentance of it. And the sinner must be brought to that place if they're ever to have within them that well of water springing up into everlasting life where there's no repentance. Then there is just a religion without Christ. And at the end of it, a lost eternity. Thankfully, that's not where this woman is tonight. For consider what she has heard to say in the words of my text. Verse 29. The woman, she says, come, see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Won't you notice there the invitation? The further you see we read into this passage, then we more, the more we begin to understand exactly what those words in verse 4 mean. The Lord must needs go through Samaria. This was no chance meeting. This was not just a coincidence, no coincidence with God, but rather something that was in the eternal plan of the Lord God for having met with and having found Christ her Savior. She then has a desire to invite others to be acquainted with him. And notice the opening words of our text tonight, that that invitation is seen to be simple. I dare say the smallest child will understand the words that she uses. She simply said to them. And the word them brings you back into verse 28 because it is the man. She said to the men, come see a man. Very simple invitation. And isn't that significant? It could have been the man that sat at the gate. Oftentimes in those days, the men of the city council, as we might call it, they sat at the gate. That's where the men of authority would have sat. That's where the business was done. But you know, it could have been the man that you knew and would have met in the streets. Most likely it was. But to these men, she issues a simple invitation. She doesn't enter into any argument. She simply says, come and see. And in doing so, it could be said, she's an illustration of Revelation 22 and 17. And let him that heareth say, come, here's a woman who had heard. And now she's inviting others to come. You'll notice she doesn't say, go and see. The reason being, she intends to accompany them. She says, come and see. And you parent, there's the best way to bring your children out of the house of God. Don't send them. Bring them. Bring them with you. And we would say that to any family. This is a day and age in which as 
sent out. The child sent out. You might get them, you might not. But all oh, that our parents would awaken to the need of their own soul, they would come with the children. And here she says, not go and see, but come and see. Because she desired to have more communion and more grace from the Lord. She had already been in his presence. And she has that desire to be in his company again. And dear loved one, it is often the simple invitations that are the most effective way of dealing with men and women. It's not the first time, of course, that we come across this. You'll recall maybe in John 2, John 1 is it, of Philip, and how he goes and seeks his friend Nathaniel. And he told him, we have found the Messiah, and he desires that he would come too. Nathaniel had doubts about the place where Philip said that he came from. And so he asked, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And the simple answer that Philip gave was, come and see. Nathaniel, if you'd only come and look at him and see him, then it will dispel all your doubts and fears. And the language that Philip used is the language that the Savior himself used during his earthly ministry. For his preaching in the cities was after the same manner. It is typified in Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me all yet labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ah, look no further than this very chapter. The Lord said to this woman by the well in verse 16, He said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. Go and get him and come. The invitation is simple. She was to go to and get her husband and come hither. And we'll look at that just in a moment. Dear sinner, the Savior is yet issuing that simple invitation to come unto you. There's no baggage attached. You must simply come unto Christ. You can't clean up your life first. You can't reform your life and then come for those things you cannot do of yourself. You must come just as you are. The invitation extended to come was to see a man. It indicates that it would be satisfying. You will carefully note the words of verse 28. It says, A woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. She left her water pot. That was the very chief. That was, we might say, the only reason that she was to be found coming to the well. It was in order to get the water. And yet she leaves it behind her in order that she might with haste tell others of the one that she had met at that very well. Or rather it was left behind because she is so taken up with Christ. She has been satisfied that she forgets all about what her earthly need had been. Like a hymn writer puts it, the things of this old world shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as the disciples had left in some cases the nets and the others left their business and some others left their family and their friends in order to follow Christ, so this woman had left her water pot that she might go and tell others the good news in her soul. She had come to the well 
for some physical water from which you would thirst again. But you went away having drunk of that water from which you would never thirst. She was satisfied with the everlasting well of God's salvation. Let me ask tonight before I go any further. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Can you say tonight, I'm satisfied preacher with Christ? That can only be so if you have the Lord as your Savior. For none but Christ can satisfy. There's no other name for me. There's life, love, lasting joy. Lord Jesus, to be found in thee. Or maybe you're still seeking to try the broken cisterns of this old world. And ah, those waters will fail you. I wonder, will you leave it all? I wonder, will you leave this house satisfied having found Christ? I tell you, this invitation was also sincere. There had been a change wrought in the heart and life of this woman, this Samaritan woman. That work was the work of God's grace. You know, I believe this woman was a type that she didn't like too many people to see her. But having met with the Savior, look at the change that is wrought. Look at the difference. As she makes her way with haste back into the city, and she gives others the invitation to come and see this man. You see, men and women, when God does a work in your heart, you'll want to tell others. You'll want to share it with them. And here's a woman testifying to that end, for she invites others to come and see Christ. That is also the sincere invitation that is issued to your heart tonight. That is also the sincere prayer of many a loved one of yours. That you would come and see Christ as you've never beheld him before. There is the invitation. And that invitation goes out to you in the gospel of saving grace tonight. But you know there's something else in this. There's the revelation. The change wrought in the heart of this Samaritan woman is all the more evident when you hear what else she has to say to these men. She says, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. She is to have a revelation. And that revelation was first and foremost of her sin. That's what the Lord starts with. That's how the Lord spoke to her if you look at the verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Up until this time, she shows an ignorance to the message of the gospel as the Lord spoke out of it in terms of the living water. You'll notice, even as you go down this chapter, she commences by speaking of sir, sir. Then she perceives he was a prophet. And she doesn't end there. She gets a wee bit further as we're going to see. But there's an ignorance about the things of the gospel. It seems that she is comparatively unmoved by it all. That is, until the Lord exposed her sin that she was particularly guilty of. She was a woman who had broken the seventh commandment. And if there was a circumstance in this woman's life that she didn't want to have to face up to, then it was what the Lord said to her. Go Call thy husband. What follows is an honest answer. At that time she had no husband. But she was living with another man. 
and the Lord knew all about it. You see verse 18, For thou hast had five husbands unto whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. There's a verse that says to us, Be sure your sin will find you out. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For with this woman I suggest to you, she is found at the well at this time because of her sin. You might say, where do you see that? You look at verse 6. You ever consider what time of the day she came out to the well? It tells us in that verse it was the sixth hour. That's midday. That's the very time of the day where the sun is at its height. And it would have been the most difficult time to carry a burden any distance. And yet here was a woman preparing to carry her water pot full of water back to the city. Why? Because she knew she was a sinner. And she was a sinner who was well known, especially by the men in the city. And for the purpose of avoiding the other woman, and for the purpose of avoiding the shame and the slander that she might receive, she chose to go out when she would have least expected anyone to be at that well. But in the plan of God, the Lord must needs go through Samaria. And Christ would meet with her at the sixth hour. And there she would receive him as Savior. She had to see the vileness of her sin. And her sin is revealed unto her. Her impurity was brought before her. Her heart and conscience smote her when the Lord asks about her husband. And maybe for the first time in her life, she is brought to feel that her sin has been discovered. She is convicted of her immoral living. You know, when John the Baptist preached, that was the first and foremost thing that he preached as well. He preached the law before he got to the gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. You just look at the words of verse 7 and 8. <coughs> but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. He calls them a generation of vipers. That's not a very endearing term. He preaches against them. He says, bring forth fruits. First of all, meets for repentance. John preached the same way as Christ. And the Savior preached there was often opposition to him. You turn to John chapter 9. Just a few chapters over from where we are tonight. Why was there opposition to him? Because he preached so that the Pharisees were convicted of their sin. You look at the words of verse 39 to the end. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. They were still blinded in their sin. And God manifest in the flesh. He touches their sin. He convicts them. And dear people, that must be so if any good is to be done for your soul. The sinner must see their sin for what it is. 
They must recognize how their stand undone before a holy God. Until a soul is brought to see their sinfulness, they will never recognize their great need of God's salvation. And if they don't see themselves as the Lord sees them, then they will carelessly go on their way. They're going unmoved and unconcerned about a lost eternity. You'll never desire the medicine of the gospel to be applied to your soul until you feel, first of all, your disease. That's called sin. You might not see any beauty in Christ as the only Savior and the remedy for sin until the Lord in mercy reveals that you are a lost and a ruined sinner. That's where the Lord begins. You see the scope of this revelation? Her words were of the one who told her all things that ever I did. What a truth to be reminded of. The Lord sees all things. He beholds all things. The night is as day to him. The truth is brought out in Hebrews 4 and 13. Or 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He's able to tell this woman that she had no husband. Oh, she had already gone through five of them. And now the one that she had, she was living with. We have a fancy titles for that today. It's cohabiting. Living in sin. The first time this woman had met with the Savior is obvious. He knew everything about her. And so he goes back. She goes back and she says, I want you to see a man that told me all things that ever I did. And do you notice how uncomfortable she feels and she tries to deflect that conversation onto something else, but she's only digging a deeper hole. She speaks of worship. She says that our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Not only was she an adulterer, but she has a background of idolatry. And the Lord is able to say in verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what. You see, he told her all things that ever she did. I say, if the Lord was to reveal all things that ever you did, would you not blush tonight? Would you not be shamed tonight because of your sin? And yet while the Lord spoke to her of true worship, he implied that the one, he was the one who came to seek and to save. Because we read in the words of verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is, and the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. That's why he came. That's why he'd go to the cross was to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Lord's still seeking in the gospel tonight. We're still in the day of His grace. Thank God He's still saving precious souls unto Himself. For understand the revelation given to this woman was of the Savior. It doesn't stop with her sin. It doesn't stop with her entire life and what it comprised of. You've only got to look at the words of verse 26. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. The woman had heard something. She knew something of the scriptures. 
She knew what was promised in the Old Testament. It was of the promised Messiah. There was the Messiah to come. And the Lord reveals himself to her. If I can paraphrase it, it would be like this. I am he. I am the Messiah. You can see how the last word in verse 26 is in italics there. It's not in the original. I that speak unto the am. I am that promised Messiah. The long-awaited, the long-promised Savior was the one who stood before her. The one who knew everything about her was the one who could heal her sin-sick soul. And dear people, that's the Christ that we seek to uplift before you tonight and every night and every meeting in this house. It is of the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. For he is your only hope. For he alone was to pay the price for sin that our sin, my sin deserved on that old Roman gibbet. And he bore it away in his own body on that tree. There's the revelation that you need tonight. The revelation of the gospel. The revelation of the only hope for your soul yet in sin. There's one final thought. And that is the declaration. I wonder did you notice how the text closes. She goes back into the city. She goes to the man. She says come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? These words form a declaration. It's one which is hesitant. What I mean by that is this. It is the manner in which she states these words. There are various ways I understand in the Greek in which a question can be formed and asked. I suppose there is a similar way in English language as well. You might ask a question expecting the answers to be simply yes or no. But you can also ask a question in a hesitant manner. By any chance would you be going up to town tomorrow? By any chance is that seat kept for someone? And that's the manner in which this woman asks, is not this the Christ? It could be rendered literally, is this perchance the Christ? And the reason that she does so, I believe, is so as not to appear assertive. After all, here's a woman, here's a loose woman, and she has no testimony for good in the town, never mind seeking souls for Christ. And being forceful, there will be those men who could have thought, why would we ever listen to anything that woman tells us? But she asks it in such a way that she arouses their minds. And she encourages them to inquire and to judge for themselves by going out to see him. Is this perchance the Christ? While she wasn't brash and asking, it nevertheless was an honest declaration. That is what she truly believed. She had heard enough to be sure that this was the Christ. She had known the power of his word to her soul. This was a promised Messiah was to come. There was no man who ever talked to her like this before. 
And while the Savior didn't care for our sin, and that's why he had to deal with our sin first, yet he cared for her soul. She was a sinner who needed Christ. And this was the day in which he, could, he found her and saved her. And oh, what matchless grace that reached down and changed her from being a sinful soul to being a seeking missionary. I wonder, will you make such an honest declaration tonight? Where you leave this house, will you be able to say, this is my Savior, this is my Redeemer. Come, and you will also find him to be so. Her declaration was honest. But you know, her declaration was also one which was heeded. Verse 30 tells us, then they went out of the city and came unto him. Her message had an impact on the hearts of those men. I wonder, were any of her five husbands among that crowd? I don't know because it doesn't tell us. I do suspect that you knew these men and they knew her. But they heeded her word. For not only did they heed her word and go out to Christ, but they heard his word for themselves. And it was the means of bringing many of them to a saving knowledge of him. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. And when the man saw and heard the Lord. You know, there's only one desire. And that desire was that he would stay with them. Verse 40. What a blessed two days that would have been to have Christ in the midst, to have the Savior there teaching them, to have communion with them. And many were saved and their declaration, it even went further than that of the woman. Because we read in verse 42 where they said, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a comfort that was to their hearts. He wasn't only the Savior of the Jews. He had come to see of the Samaritans as well. He's come to see of the Gentile as well. And the woman who was still there was a glorious testimony to that. He must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because the Lord had a woman from eternity past whom he had to meet with. And that meeting was to save her soul. Will you, sinner, heed his word tonight? Will you come and be saved? It may be that this night is the night where Christ will meet with you and save you. By faith these men and this Samaritan accepted the Lord as their Savior. Will you exercise saving faith in the person and the work of the only Redeemer tonight? You see, dear people, that's what conviction and conversion looks like. And you too can experience it this very hour if you have never done so. For the Lord is yet calling in grace. Will you come? It is my prayer. It is the prayer of many others. That you would know that conviction of sin. And that you too would know that conversion.
of your soul for God's eternal glory. May the Lord bless his word even tonight for his own name's sake. We'll sing in closing 394. 394. O Christ in thee my soul hath found and found in thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Page 336. Let's stand and watch the words as we sing 394.
Father and our God, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for the simplicity of the invitation in the gospel. And, O oh God, how, Lord, we would even re-echo those words, come and see a man that told me all things that ever I did. We thank the Lord that Christ does satisfy. We thank the Lord that in him there's life, there's love, there's lasting joy. And, O oh God, we pray that the sinner might come even and see the loveliness that is in Christ tonight. Lord, we pray thou would stop them on their wild career. And thou would, Lord, give deciding grace and that gift of faith tonight, that they might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to the salvation of their soul. Thank the Lord we're still in the day of thy grace. And we praise the Lord that thou dost know even all about thy people. And Lord, we pray that thou would watch over us in the week that is before us, and I will. Now is beyond to us what we need in our goings out and our comings in. Oh, we pray indeed, Lord, that thou wilt meet with us each and every day. Lord, that each day will be special. What a special day this was for that woman of Samaria. And oh, God, we pray that thou would work on even in these days. My Lord, part us with thy blessing and in thy fear. And Lord, accept of our thanks for thy goodness toward us this day in this house. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen.